What's up, y'all? It's Bud Elliott here of the Nolcast, and today we have a pretty fun Nolcast, and it is a solo episode. I, I miss Ingram dearly, but he is off on his honeymoon. We got after it pretty good at his wedding, had a really good time over the weekend, uh, but news does not stop even for Graham to go on honeymoon. So uh, I will be doing today's episode solo. I've got it planned out for probably somewhere between 20 and 45 minutes, just depending on how much I talk and how much fun we have. If you're catching us on YouTube, make sure you give us a like and a subscribe. I know we dropped some YouTube shorts recently, which have been pretty fun. Uh, I know Graham's got somebody lined up to do the IG account going forward. So that's kind of cool. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nolcast. We're also on Twitter. Twitter's been down recently, so who knows how that will go. Uh, but I want to give a couple shout outs here. Tarpon Sellers, obviously tremendous partner of ours. Also, Matt Lewis from Congruity sent me a Congruity shirt and I am rocking it today. Pretty comfortable, man. Not going to lie. Like get, get the arms fitted. I'm feeling kind of, you know, not jacked, but like, all right, you know, kind of like, I don't know, dad bod jacked, I guess. Uh, cool logo. Pretty solid. It looks like um, there's a, there was a bad guy. It, it might be uh it might be from like the original Ninja Turtles. There was some kind of villain organization that also looks like a Gritty logo. Anyway, they're much, uh, much better than whatever org Super Shredder was part of. So you can congruity there on the sleeve. Give Matt a shout out. Matt Lewis, Congruity HR Solutions. Whatever your business needs, Congruity can tackle it for you. All right. Um, yeah, so that's, I think we have shirts from all of our folks now. Because I, I know I have one. From the legendary team, obviously, I have a number of Madison Social and Charlie Park shirts, and uh, I, mean, I, I definitely have some Louisiana hot sauce and some Tarpon Sellers gear. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. Mike Norvell signed a new contract extension on Wednesday, uh, which now has him locked up with the Knolls through 2029. So that is an extension of essentially uh, a couple more years, but there are seven years on the deal now uh, that it runs through uh, at an average annual value total comp of 8.05 million. I suspect the 8.05 is just to make sure that he gets over Mario Cristobal. That's a nice little dig by the school. They've recently done some, some pretty fun kind of stoking the rivalry stuff, uh, you know, at announcing certain signings at 45 minutes to three and, and things like that uh, are, that's kind of what makes college ball great. So Mike Norvell getting paid, paid. And um, this is going to put him, I think if you look at it, like for this coming year, it'll put him somewhere between like 10th and 20th, depending on how all these other deals will shake out. The AAV of 8 million though, he's obviously not getting 8 million this coming year, uh, but he does get some recapture of some of the money that he gave up uh, when he took a pretty hefty pay cut during the COVID season, which is a good leadership move, I, I think, assuming that you're betting on yourself because the people below you also know that you took that big cut. This is a, I would say it's about market rate for what Norvell has done, if you look at it. Um, so Josh Heupel is probably the best comparison I, I could make here. And I bring Josh Heupel up because he, uh, he was at a G5 program. UCF, much like Mike was at Memphis. He did a nice job there. Uh, took his team, I believe, to a, I still call it BCS Bowls because I'm old, but a, a New Year's Six 
bowl and uh, has since gone on and done some good things there at Tennessee, including making the Orange Bowl this year. So a little more accomplished as a coach than Mike Norvell is. And Heupel just got $9 million a year AAV from Tennessee. So uh, I, I think that's, to me, that says this contract is roughly within range. Uh, Lane Kiffin got $9 million roughly to stay at Ole Miss. So I, I know a couple of y'all were asking like, hey, is this good market value? Did FSU get fleeced here? I don't think that they did. Now, if you were looking solely at what Norvell has done at Florida State, I would say that could be argued, not by me, but it could be argued as a bit of an overpay. However, two things. Number one, you have to look at trajectory. And this is the same argument, by the way, that I made with Willie Taggart. Is he making places better than when he got there? And you know, like Taggart made Oregon better. He made Western Kentucky better. He made USF a lot better. So you're looking at trajectory. Are you leaving the place better than they found it when you're going to make a hire, when you're deciding to give somebody an extension or not? Norvell definitely left Memphis better than he found it. Now, record-wise, we are seeing some improvement now in Tallahassee as well on the record. First year was rough. It was that COVID year. Second year was very disappointing. And I I think you know if, if Norvell writes a book 20 years from now, maybe he'll discuss the the level of culture that team had versus what they thought it had, right? Uh, but clearly this past year, the togetherness of the team, the locker room culture that Norvell has established uh, has been good. And preseason, we discussed in, in a video that we actually shot about this because we felt like we had very good sources on this, that Norvell was not on the hot seat and that they were going to stick with him almost regardless of record, because they didn't want to have to pay another buyout, obviously, but also because they truly believed that they had the right guy in place in Tallahassee. So I would say if you put together his record at Memphis and the trajectory of what he's done in Tallahassee, has not made the ACC title game. I think this year, if you don't make it to Charlotte, I would sort of put that as the line of demarcation of success or not success with the season. You know, if you finish third in this ACC, to me, a league where a good number of the teams are are not particularly trying to win and are not competing, um, then I would say that, that that is a disappointment, right? You have to, my line in the sand is, is you need to make it to Charlotte. Barring, you know, like, like we, we're not unreasonable here. If you have insane number of injuries to your best guys, that's a different story. But hopefully that does not happen. So yeah, I do think that the market rate is justified. That was a question we got there from the comment section from the little YouTube short that we released. Uh, was anybody going to steal Mike away? Does this contract make it so that someone cannot steal him away? That, that's two separate questions. To my knowledge, I don't think any team was actively trying to steal him away. I don't know of any team that his agents were trying to use to leverage in this deal. Auburn would have been an interesting one, but it seemed like they had their two top guys in Kiffin and Freeze. It didn't have to go past that. Norvell is not an idiot, so he's not going to go take something like a Georgia Tech. I don't think that LSU uh, would open anytime soon. Just kind of going through my head. You know, Texas A&M, Jimbo's not going anywhere anytime soon, apparently, given the, the size of his buyout. Um, 
you know, Norvell being a guy who has Texas connections, I don't know, maybe like down the line, that's one that you would, if you're an AD, you have to plan for this stuff. It's not that you think the threat of Norvell leaving would be imminent. You just say, hey, got to keep this guy somewhat happy and on board with us so that uh, he doesn't look at offers that he shouldn't look at. Obviously, the Texas job is a great job. I'm just in my head walking through it. Like, I don't think he would take an Arkansas because, to me, that's a paycheck job. You make a lot of money, but you know you're going to get fired because you can't actually win anything of substance there. The Mississippi schools, again, I, I, I highly doubt it. Alabama, sure, right? Like If, if, if Saban hangs him up and five, six years from now is like, hey, I, I want Mike Norvell to be my successor, who knows? But I, I don't think that they scrambled to do this to keep Norvell from job jumping. I think that they are motivated to compensate him at a level commensurate with his track record that everybody can see publicly and the way that he manages things behind the scenes and, and the way that he manages kind of all facets of the program, right? I think bringing in Derek Ray was a, a big-time get identifying and then keeping Alex Atkins and you know, moving that thing along to where he is now the offense coordinator. I think that is a, a big thing there. Um, so Norvell has the decision makers in Tallahassee, at least the ones I talk to, pretty happy. And they are expecting big, th big things this year. They are certainly all in on him and are, are showing so with the contract. But I don't think, again, that this was in response to some school threatening to take Mike Norvell, personally. It's just that it's not really the vibe that I'm getting. Speaking of getting, I think that it's worth discussing here what you think you're getting in Mike Norvell and what you think you might not be getting. So I tend to think that one of the reasons why this contract feels relatively safe and the buyout in today's day and age is always going to be structured more in favor of the coach than it is the school because these ADs are typically not very good at this kind of stuff. Yes, the school would have to pay more to get rid of the guy than the guy would have to pay to leave. That's just kind of how, how it works. But one of the reasons that I think you feel confident in, in giving this amount of money because it's, 56 million over the next seven years to Mike Norvell is what you've seen behind the scenes, but also that what you've seen behind the scenes leads you to believe that he is a high floor coach. There's not many games where his offense gets out coached. Offense is more consistently predictable than defenses and more, I think, generally related to coaching, although I think that's changing a little bit nowadays. Um, just for certain factors that are probably beyond the scope of maybe not this show, but this episode. I think you're getting a high floor coach. It, it would genuinely surprise me if Norvell had more losing records in Tallahassee. They happen. They even happen to really good coaches, but I think he largely has this thing on the right track. So I bet you that the decision makers here it's not that they would never contemplate having to pull the trigger on the buyout, but rather I think they've determined that it is very unlikely 
that they would have to do so anywhere in the near term. And that's really the one that you would worry about. If you got a, if for some reason stuff went south very quickly after four or five years, that's more manageable. You don't do this move typically if there's nobody coming after your coach uh, who's a viable threat immediately if you don't think that things are on the right track for the next coming years. Speaking of which, so again, I think Morel's a high floor coach. Does that mean he's going to win 10, 11, 12 ball games every year? Unlikely. Most schools don't do that. Saban is sort of the outlier there, I guess, Kirby now and, and Ohio State. But for the most part, I think Norvell is extremely likely to be winning eight or more games a season, which that level of winning is not the goal, but it also keeps your your boosters and your followers and your fans from jumping off a bridge, which in terms of their fandom, obviously, hyperbole. I think that's important. So you're getting that. And now I had a really good point that I... When I was scripting the show out earlier, this is why it's tough to do these occasionally without a co-host and without a production team. Because like if, you know, if you're doing like a national show, you can just have your teleprompter there. But but now uh, I, I do not have my teleprompter here. Let me see. Oh, yes. The near term. That was the transition that I wanted to make. Florida State is expected to be favored or very slight number two favorite to win the ACC this year. The Knolls are, at this point, definitely going to be favored over the Gators, unless things change. And, I don't know, probably a small underdog against LSU, but I, I, again, that's that's very coin flippy to me at this point. If somebody has a strong opinion about that game, I, I'm, I'm all ears. If you're Florida State's administration, I think that you can reasonably look at this and say, hmm, Got about six or seven teams on this schedule that you just you really won't lose to, barring something really weird. And if you wait to do this until after next year, is it going to cost you more? The cynic could easily come and say, uh, it could still cost you more because you paid him this time, and then his agent's going to hit you back up for another raise after they win the ACC or play for the ACC title, or who knows, like maybe even like make the playoff, right? That'd, that'd be pretty sweet. So I get that argument, but I do think that let's say you're right, that you're going to have to give them an, another bump after next year. First of all, if you got to bump them either way, you might as well keep them happy the whole time. Number So that's there, there's the employee happiness, goodwill, laying the foundation thing. Second of all, I, I think it shows you as proactive and it signals to other coaches that, that you believe in that staff and, and you want to keep them there. So that that's sort of the the known part for me. They are achieving I think a high floor coach who I believe is a good administrator and somebody that people generally like working for, which is not the case for everybody. Uh, there are still some unknowns for me with Mike Norvell with this commitment. I don't know if he can recruit at, at an elite level, right? At that top of the Power 5 level. I mean, you know, look look where the class was ranked this year, right? Not not top ten. Now you factor in the in, in the transfers, you get a little bit closer, but you know they were they're nineteenth in recruiting within the state. 
generally a poor job. So FSU's administration has to be banking on them doing much better in the state of Florida, which is the reason why you take the Florida State job. You don't take the Florida State job to be the transfer king in perpetuity. If it's a market inefficiency that you want to exploit, cool. How long will that last? Will the NIL cost of transfers also begin to rise up? I think most likely yes, as some of these uh, spots pay for high school kids. If some of those kids bust in unfortunate numbers, then you're going to have more difficulty hitting up some of the donors, I think, to pay for high school kids. Again, you'll probably see the biggest money going to transfers. That makes the transfer market more difficult to compete in overall. You'll still get some of your bounce backs. You'll still get some of your situational stuff. But long-term, you don't take the FSU job for other reasons. You take it because it's super talented, the best state in the country, tradition, rock bottom admission standards, by college ball standards. I know the school's improving, blah, blah, blah. You can still get in basically anybody you want. Like If, if you can't get them in, they're probably not getting in anywhere else. I actually think that was helpful with a couple of the transfers you took, by the way. The, the ability to get these kids in immediately was was a factor. So we don't know if Norvell can recruit at the highest level. That's an unknown with him. Again, I still think it's a smart move to lock him up. Um, not, I don't know if it's a stroke of genius or something like that, but it's not an overpay based on his track record, and you are seeing improvements in recruiting. They are getting a higher caliber of player onto campus, which I think is an indicator. You have to get kids visiting campus more often if you want to recruit at that level. I need top kids on campus three or four times before they make their decision. It needs to sort of become and feel like family. So again, just going through the knowns and unknowns here. Knowns, really good offensive coach. Great confidence he's going to score points almost all the time and a very high floor in part due to that and, and his management. We also don't really know if he's going to demand if all of his assistants work their butts off in recruiting, right? Like a Saban or a Kirby or, heck, I mean, the guy with probably the biggest reputation for it is Cristobal. I, I don't think Mike, and maybe this is the reason why they have good culture and, and you have to balance this and, and uh, you, know, you don't want to grind your guys to a nub. But when I'm at some of these recruiting events, I don't think that other people think all of FSU's staff works as hard on the recruiting trail as the other two big schools in the state. Now, again, some of that's probably hyperbole. Like, I take that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, was was this guy on Miami staff really, like, busting his butt the whole time? Was, you know, was this guy on Florida staff? But there, there may be something to that. You know, I, like, you need to constantly examine the mix of recruiters and coaches that you have on your staff. and. You know, we will see uh, how well Mike holds the feet to the fire. Some of the guys on his staff who consistently underperform in terms of, rec of recruiting. And that's both in terms of recruiting ambition and recruiting execution. Because I can execute, but what if my ambition wasn't high enough? What if I'm a coach who doesn't really like putting in the work in recruiting, so I go after guys who are not quite as good as I could have gotten if I really worked for it? So... You know, some stuff there I think Orvel will have to consistently evaluate. I'm not going to relitigate this next point, but 
the defense last year certainly was not good. I know uh, Rico Bear, uh, who you know used to work for me at Tomahawk, uh, had a nice Twitter thread on this the other day as far as game score for defense. It's it's another way of looking at you know percentile performances, especially considering who played and who did not play in those games, both for FSU and for the opponent. Now I'm bullish on the defense for this coming year. I think that look even if you don't think Fuller's great, another year of his system could get through the players better. I'm willing to buy the idea that Pat Sertan is an upgrade coaching wise over Marcus Woodson. Uh, and maybe those guys will all work better together. And I, I think they will be better on defense this year. What if they're not? That's an unknown. How will Norvell respond to that? He has not been a guy historically. And part of this is because his teams have had success. So they have not had to make a lot of staff changes and staff firings. But what happens if this defense gets torched against every like decent quarterback it faces again? Or most of them? Because I think if you think about it, if they miss the playoff, if they miss, that's that's too much, miss the playoff. Like only four teams make the playoff. I, I, I'm not expecting to make the playoff. It's certainly within the range of possibility, but it's not an expectation. I do expect this team to be able to get to Charlotte. That's sort of my baseline goal for the year. What happens if you don't? Or what happens if if you if you go to Charlotte, you already lost to Clemson at Clemson, and then Klubnik and those guys hang 40, 40 plus. And it's very clear the defense is not allowing you to reach the heights that you want to reach. That's an unknown. Norvell is very good typically at replacing guys on his staff who have left for promotions. We don't know how proactive he is at making changes to guys who, you know, um, underperform. Woodson, they didn't make a change until he took Arkansas. Was he going to be retained? I'm skeptical of that, personally. I I, I wonder if, if Norvell was going to make a change there. I think he almost had to, but... I can't know that because Woodson took the Arkansas job first. All right. Secondly here, next point. I'm going to just timestamp this. So apologies. Got to timestamp our YouTube. That was about 22 minutes in first segment. All right. Next part here. Sort of the building blocks for a foundation. Speaking of building blocks, if you are looking to buy a home or a refi, guys, I can't recommend Legendary Home Loans strong enough. Use them twice. Tremendous customer service. Great relationship. Diehard Knowles fans. Chad and Shannon get the job done for you. They want to get you the absolute best rate. Their knowledge of the market is awesome. And, and the customer service is, is fast and dedicated. So I, I, I stamp them for sure. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number I call. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number. I do think, by the way, that Florida State in doing the groundbreaking ceremony on the indoor or on the football only facility, getting some of these assistants signed to bigger, longer-term deals, getting Mike Norvell signed to a contract that is above many SEC schools and certainly above a lot of Big Ten schools that we know about. Like, I don't know how much Marcus Freeman makes. There's some some private schools in the Big Ten, et cetera. But 
I think that they are definitely trying to continue to strut. And that goes two ways. It's you want to get the school to a spot here that even if the Big Ten and the SEC don't necessarily want to expand, you want to be a little bit too big to fail or a lot too big to fail. You need to be so attractive that even if they don't necessarily want to do that, you kind of have to. You know, if if there was a house in my neighborhood for, I don't know, 100000 under list, I, I'm probably going to go buy that just because the opportunity to improve my portfolio, and that'd be a portfolio, portfolio of schools for the Big Ten or the SEC, would would just be too, too improved by adding the Knowles to pass up. But that's only the case if FSU is really showing how dedicated it is to winning in terms of spending, right? Not like penny pinching, making people get water cups instead of bottled water under the Willie Taggart era, some of that kind of stuff that that staff had complained to us about. Spending big time on the coaching staff, being very competitive in the NIL space, doing well in the transfer market, building the football-only facility, whatever renovations they have coming to Doak, winning on the field, obviously, beating some of the brands from from those conferences that you would hope to get plucked by. I think is a part of, of why you do this. It's it's a bit of peacocking. You're showing, hey, we got the money. People say we're broke. We ain't broke. Now, I kind of think they're trying to treat this thing as a startup. FSU football is a startup, trying to get bought, right? Spending money, making an attractive product, looking to get acquired. Or maybe the having the ACC open up their wallets a little more because you do increasingly have teams in this league that are just... I mean, just not competitive, you know, like like Virginia, zero four-star recruits this year on the composite. The Hokies, two. I mean, Duke, zero. Cuse, zero. Georgia Tech, zero. Boston College, zero. I'm almost certain here that both divisions of the SEC – sign more blue chip recruits than the entire ACC combined. I, I I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just eyeballing this thing. One, two, and three is five. Two more, seven. Six is 13, 19, and nine, 28. Oh, boy. Um, that's 47. So we got 64 total blue chippers in the um, in the ACC signed this year. You think we had 64 in the SEC East or SEC West? So Georgia gets us to 22 in the East. Tennessee adds on 13 more. It's 35. Florida has 18. It's 53. South Carolina gives us 12 more. That's 64. Yeah, Kentucky 8, Missouri 5, Vandy 1. Shout out, Barton. Um, by the way, who is doing a pretty good job scouting there? Like they lost several of their guys late who they had identified and, 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 you know, cultivated and then, you know, like a, a Bama or somebody comes along and, and offers them. So I, I mean, if you want, if you want to keep the Knowles long-term, 
Well, if you want to keep them short-term, just keep playing hardball. If you want to keep them really long-term, I, I kind of wonder if you need to start giving these guys a greater share of the revenue. Them, Clemson, the schools that are like actively spending their own money and could use a boost from what the league payout is. There's a lot of schools that have joined this league and have never won a damn thing. So I'm not trying to be a jerk. I got friends that coach some of those schools, but the facts are the facts. They're just not competitive. They're not really trying to, to win in terms of, of their spending. So I do wonder if this is a, a bit of a, a shot, right? You know, you're, let's say a couple, you know, a couple of years down the line, you go to the ACC, you're like, look, man, we, we can't sustain this level of spending from just our boosters and, and the limited TV money we get. We're going to need, if you guys want us to stay, if you want us to keep trying to make the playoff, or Clemson can make the same argument and can make it better because they've you know won two titles in the last 10 years, we're going to need more, right? Does it hurt the other teams a little bit more? Sure. Are they going to suck anyway? Almost certainly. Yeah. All right. So that was that. Now I want to transition here in the second half of this show. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We'll, we'll find something to do an hour show here. Maybe I'll cut these in two. Who knows? Probably could. We got about 30 minutes here. Yeah, I'm going to cut these two 30-minute shows. All right, y'all. Uh, appreciate it. Make sure you check out Charlie Park for all your brunch and meeting needs there in Tallahassee. Legendary team, congruity like on the shirt, Tarpon Sellers. I'll see you all on the flip side.